Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Uh, paying our debts and the other one very much around Jesus being a bit of a, the journey of redemption or the road of, of redemption and the importance, the importance of having a soft heart. So you may remember a few weeks ago we had Dave and Renedy preaching. It's always good, isn't it, when it's Dave and Renedy. A bit of banter and then Renedy is really sweet. So, and, uh, and they spoke about um, the curse of a hardened heart. And I remember Renedy saying in a, with a kind little smile, what do you do when Jesus knocks on the door? Hmm? And so today we're going to look at the importance of allowing vulnerability in your life, the importance of pursuing authenticity, so that, as Renedy said, when Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, you're able to say yes to him. Your heart is not hardened, that you can't see that you need saving. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph, and we're going to look at the end of that story. And later on, Josh is going to come and give his testimony and make himself vulnerable. He's got the hardest job, to be fair. Um, And we may have a bit of a response time, but we'll see how we do with time. Otherwise, there will be plenty of time at the weekend away, so you can save it all, pour it out. (laughs) So uh, if you can open your Bible app to Genesis 50, verse 15 to 21. Um, I think it's going to come up. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, So just a bit of background to see where we're at. So this is towards the end of the story of Joseph. Um, his, fa- his father, Jacob, is dead. His brothers and his father, uh, by that time, have both moved to Egypt okay, because of a famine hitting the land and thanks to Joseph's influence and position of power. At that point in the story, Joseph has already forgiven his brothers uh, for betraying him and, and his father just died. Okay? They've buried him. And what happens is that his brothers are a bit fearful about what's going to happen next. So let's read it. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent a word to Joseph saying, your father left us instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servant of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, and I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So I'm just going to pray. <clears throat> yeah, God, I, Lord, I pray that you would touch our heart today, Lord. I pray that as we look in your words, Lord, as we hear the story of uh, of Joseph, Lord, that you would soften our hearts, soften my heart to, to your voice, Lord. Amen. Amen. 
So what do we see in this passage? Yeah, we see that Jacob is dead, and we see that his brothers, out of fear, are, a bit, are being a bit deceitful to Joseph. They send a fake message from their father, okay? Because they're scared that Joseph is going to turn against them. Now, what is Joseph's reaction? When Joseph received their fake message, Joseph is, is affected quite deeply by the action of his brother. He's hurt quite deeply by the actions of his brother. Now, if you think about that point in the story, for, for Joseph, if he had not quite forgiven his brothers, if there was still a little bit of unforgiveness or bitterness against his brother, it would have been so easy for him to be like, well, guys, this was fun. Dad is dead. Should we dig 10 little pits and then sell you off to the trader one at a time, shall we? Yeah? It would have been so easy for Joseph to turn against his brother. He had power. No one would have questioned him. They were in a foreign land and they only entered because of him. And yet what we see is that the softening of Joseph's heart is deep and is authentic. And so when we look at his response, we see that Joseph weeps. In verse 17, it says, when their message, their message sorry, came to him, Joseph wept. We see Joseph allowing that situation to affect him deeply. Yeah? We don't weep as something that is a little bit sad, isn't it? Or I missed my bus, or there's no more cappuccino at Starbucks. <laughs> no, like, you don't weep at that, don't you? You weep at something that has touched something deep in your heart. And what we see there is that Joseph is deeply touched. And that also he's able to express his vulnerability. He's able to express in quite a striking emotional way um, his grief and his weeping in front of his brothers. So the first point of this talk is looking at Joseph's heart and how he allowed vulnerability. Yeah. Now, when we go back a bit in Joseph's story, Joseph is not actually that sensitive at the very beginning. You know, he's quite happy to brag about the nice rub his dad gave him. He's quite happy to share his dream about all his brothers bowing down to him. And he doesn't really have a sensitive insight into the hurt that that can cause to his brothers, does he? Not really, no. And even when he gets to the pit, we know he's a bit distressed, but we don't know if he weeps, we don't know, we don't really know. And what we see through the story of Joseph is that God softened his heart in a really deep way, and that Joseph is able to be touched deeply by circumstances and is able to express it in even, a striking, in, even in striking emotional ways. In Genesis, there's eight verses about Joseph weeping in different occasions. That's quite a lot. And one of them is about he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Now, that's pretty loud because, I mean, <laughs> when I cry in my lounge when I watch a romantic film, like, I'm pretty sure that my neighbors can't hear it, yeah? So that's pretty loud, yeah? And the Bible is full of those striking, sometimes public emotion of grief and, and, and pain. We have David in the Bible, we have Job, we even have Jesus when Lazarus dies, Nehemiah, as uh, Dave said this morning. And we also know that lament, the style of lamenting, is really present in the Bible. It's present in the Psalms, it's present in all the prophetic books, it's present in Job, and there's even a book called Lamentations in the Bible. 
Yeah? So somehow there must be something important about expressing pain and lamenting and expressing grief. And yet somehow in our culture, we, I don't think we really enjoy or we are really comfortable with expressing emotions and allowing emotions to touch us. I think sometimes when we have a situation that is difficult in front of us, we try to make sure that it doesn't touch us quite too deeply. Yeah? We try to make sure that there's enough protection so it just touches the amount that you can cope with. Yeah? And let's be honest, quite often, when you're really in pain or when you're really sad about a situation, you don't necessarily like sharing the amount and the depths of your pain publicly to people. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's, it's a little difficult at the moment, but it's, uh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't really like being truly honest and expressive about, about pain, and we don't truly like things to touch us too deeply. And yet, there must be something important about expressing vulnerability. Um, I don't know if you know Tim Keller, he's a Christian theologian, quite well known, and he said something really, um, really important, I think. He said, Christianity is not stoicism. He explains that basically, Christianity is not the endurance of pain or hardship without display or without complaints. That it's not about somehow having the inner ability not to let suffering affect the depths of your heart. Yeah? That is not about not being affected or not broken by the circumstances that you face. Because you cutting yourself from the depths of your heart makes that you cut yourself from, your, from you. Yeah? That you cut yourself from yourself. And that makes your heart hard. Yeah? Because actually, God wants you to bring the depths of your heart to him, whatever state that is in. Yeah? If God has put lament in so many of his books, and when we see so many uh, characters showing, uh, expressing deeply some striking pain, some striking grief, it's also because it shows us how to pray. It shows us how to pray when we're in pain, when we face hardship. It shows us how to process our pain. And it, show, and it helps us to bring it to Jesus first. Um, Andrew Wilson, he's a, a Christian theologist who does quite a lot of theology training in New Frontiers churches. And in one of his books um, that he wrote with his wife called um, The Life We Never Expected, um, he wrote a whole chapter on lament. Yeah? And if you know Andrew, Andrew is like this really perky guy, quite happy, always motivated. And you don't always see very many broken parts to Andrew. <laughs> but when you, when you read that chapter, you're like, wow. Yeah, God has really, God has really changed his heart on, on that. And so he says in that book, in that chapter, Christians in particular can feel we ought not to vent our emotions at God. We prefer tidy prayers like... God, we don't understand, but we trust you. To the chaotic and confused and howling prayers that we find in the, in the Psalms. But those Psalms are in the Bible because we are supposed to express ourselves that way. Lament forces us to take our pain to God first and foremost before we take it to others. 
It's so important that we're able to be honest about the state of our heart and that we're able to take our hearts in whatever place it is, whatever mess it is, and to bring it to Jesus. And expressing sometimes what's, what's in the heart is a way of doing that. I'm sure you've all roughly got an idea about the story of Job. So Job is a guy who is um, pretty successful and blessed in his life. He's got a bit of everything. And in one day, bam, he loses everything. No more family, no more belongings, no more servants, and livestock, as you had in those times. Yeah? And when this happened, all in one day, what does Job do? He gets up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground in worship. And what does it say? It says, a couple of verses after, it says that in all this, Job did not sin. It's, it's important that we know that acknowledging pain in, in your life, expressing your vulnerability, to bring it to God first, is not a sin. Yeah, it's not a sin, it's not a failure. It's not a weakness of our strength, of our, sorry, it's not a weakness of our faith or of our character. But that in bringing it to God first, in whatever state it is, in crying out to God, you, God is glorified through it. And often, by his amazing grace, you bringing that pain to him, he sometimes even starts to redeem you through it. He helps you to understand. He helps you to process and he helps you to save you from that pain. Now, an important part of being vulnerable to God yeah, and to others is also pursuing authenticity. Yeah? You need to be honest with yourself about where you're at. You need to be honest about where your heart is at. And so that's our second point, Joseph Hart and the pursuit of authenticity. So... If we go back to the story of Joseph and how he responded to his brothers, so we know he wept, and then he says to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What we see here is that Joseph does not deny the evil intent of his brothers. Yeah, He doesn't say, you brothers, you didn't really mean it. I probably just stumbled into the pit myself, you know? And the trader you sold me to, oh, he must have been really convincing. Or maybe you just needed a little bit of cash. Can't blame you, you know, I, I've been there. I know what it is. Uh, he, he doesn't say that to his brothers, doesn't he? He said, no, you, you intended to harm me. You were trying to kill me, bros, yeah? <laughs> That's what he's trying to say. Like, no, we know what happened, yeah? But God, yeah? yeah? And I remember a few years ago at New Day, which is a big youth festival, yeah, for a Christian youth festival, <laughs> better. <laughs> um, there's one of the guys who heads, heads up the, the festival called Joe Virgo, who said something that marked me quite a lot. And he said, when we deny evil, it cheapens forgiveness, yeah? In the same way, we can, we can do that. We can deny pain. We can sometimes not give our feelings their due weight, or we can make excuses and reason 
for the evil that has happened in our life or for the suffering that has happened in our life. Instead of maybe being honest about those dark moments and that pain that is in our heart and seeing God's light through it. Yeah. Now, um, last year I did a, a course in performing, performing arts, yeah, and we were doing a, a, a drama piece that was an Italian piece, yeah, and the girl who was doing it was struggling a bit with the piece, bless her, and the teacher, the teacher was like, okay, we need to understand here that this is an Italian piece. You cannot react like a British person to this situation. And that drama teacher was like, the first instinct as British people is to justify, make excuses for what has happened, yeah? And I was like, oh, that's true. Sometimes we do do that. Sometimes I do do that, because I feel like I've become quite British over the years. <laughs> and when I meet my French friends, I'm like, wow, you are so open. <laughs> I have changed. <laughs> so, you know, we do do that. For instance, sometimes we'll, something horrible will happen in our life. And let's say, my grandma died, yeah? And what would be my, sometimes our response? is like, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, grandma died yesterday, um, but she had a good life and she was very old. And I mean, you know, it was a time she was a Christian. The Lord gives, takes away. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Hmm? Instead, maybe of being a little bit more honest and open on, you know what? My grandma died yesterday, yeah. And yeah, feel pretty awful. And she was a pretty big part of my life. And actually, I'm going to miss her, yeah. But you know what? Through this, through the midst of it all, I can find comfort in God. And the fact that she's with him and that he will carry me through this time. And that expresses your vulnerability in an honest way. It doesn't cheapen what God is doing in your life. And it brings glory to God. Yeah. So there's something here, isn't there, about being honest about what we face and not denying the, the things that we are facing, the darkness in which we may find ourselves. Sometimes I think, as Christians, and maybe, maybe it's a British thing, I don't know, we feel that we have to respond in a particular way when we face hardship. And that's the godly way to respond, even if our hearts is not, not quite there yet, yeah? I forgive you, it feels great, you know? <laughs> you know, sometimes we, our heart is not quite there. And, you know, we say quite often in churches, our worship does not depend on our feelings and our circumstances. We are struck down, but not destroyed, you know? And there are times where, yeah, of course, of course, there are times in your walk of faith where it's gonna be like that, of course. It's a bit like, let me give you a, a bit of a funny example. Um, it's a bit like our three elders, yeah? Phil, Owen, and Ben. And their, their commitment to um, athletic performance <laughs> and general fitness, yeah? So I had a bit of a flashback when I was thinking about this, and I remembered Ben coming to me a few months ago about knee pain and asking me to show him some exercises. And I'm giving him some exercises, and one of them is a bit of a stretch, yeah? And I remember Ben being like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, Benny, this ain't your knee pain. <laughs> this is years of not challenging those hamstrings. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I remember. 
but Owen texting Elisha and I about his sleep, Elisha and I, about his athletic achievement of the week, yeah? <laughs> which was to walk from, Clap from Brixton to Clapham Common in 30 minutes. <laughs> now, I have walked that walk many times, and I'm pretty sure it's only 20 minutes. So I was like, how did you walk this in 30 minutes? Yeah? And then I realized there was the Fantasia Cafe, where they do really good fry up in the middle. <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe that's what happened. And then I thought, oh, what about Phil? Phil is going to redeem us. Good old Phil. And then I tried out of the last five years of being at Beacon to remember a time where Phil mentioned maybe a jog, a swim, or a cycle, or maybe what you do when you're in that phase of life, a vigorous walk. And, uh, <laughs> and somehow, I just could not recall. <laughs> and then... And then I thought, you know what, sometimes we do exercise not because we feel like it, <laughs> not because it feels good, but because we see a higher purpose, yeah? And somehow, along the way of pushing through the pain, yeah, our hearts are changed and are realigned with our actions, yeah? Uh, this is a funny example, but there are times in your walk with God where that's so true, you will need to hold on, despite on despite how crap you may be feeling, yeah? Until the storm has passed. And sometimes in his grace, somehow, throughout that process, God realigns your heart and your feeling along the way. But we must also maybe be careful about not interpreting, you know, some of those sayings like, our worship does not depend on feeling and circumstance, as don't acknowledge pain in your life rebuke your feelings and push through whenever you feel hardship. Because there is something about not denying the state of your heart. And there's something about um, bringing that state of your heart to your Lord and to your Savior so that you will not be dominated by them. Yeah. So what do we do? Okay, we've embraced vulnerability, we've pursued authenticity, yeah. What do we do next? Well, we run to Jesus. We run to Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. When we look at, Jesus, at Joseph's response to his brothers, he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What we see is that Joseph, he knows his place, yeah? He says, am I in the place of God? He knows that God is his Lord overall. He knows that it's not about his will, it's not really about his own little glory, and that God's sovereignty and his plans surpass, surpass him. He, he's learned to surrender his will and his rights to God, yeah? And to trust that God's will is better than his, to trust that his ways are higher than, than his ways. No, God's ways are higher than Joseph's ways, yeah? <laughs> but he also learns that God's purposes are for salvation, yeah? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He knows that God is a God who wants to save, who wants to save his people, who wants to redeem his people, and that him alone can save. 
if you look at the story of Joseph, God turned his deepest suffering, his lowest point, into something even more glorious and fruitful that Joseph, than Joseph could have ever imagined or hoped for. Yeah? Not only did he lift Joseph out of jail, yeah? he also elevated him to a place of authority and influence that Joel could have never got through any of his doing. He didn't, God didn't just mend this situation. He, he redeemed him. He gave him a double portion. He, you know, he, he repaid him double of what he had lost. I think whatever you have faced in your life, yeah, whatever you may be still facing in your life, you have a God who is Lord over it all and who wants to save you, who wants you to come to him, whatever state your heart is in, to redeem you, not just to mend or repair, but to turn that suffering into glory. You know, when, it, when you look at salvation in, in Isaiah, it speaks about uh, salvation being like a well. And I think sometimes we, we need to come to God with our stuff again and again and again. And through that process of coming to Jesus, our Savior, again and again and again, our hearts are changed. Through that, we are redeemed. Okay, so Joshi is going to come and give his testimony. Sorry, I'm going a bit over. Yeah, so um, just to make sort of what Ruth's been talking about a little bit more applicable, I'm going to take you a bit through my um, personal story of when, you know, uh, when I've been redeemed um, and sort of hopefully show sort of when I, uh, the authenticity and vulnerability that Ruth was um, um, talking about. Um, the, the pain, I will point out, is it was all self-inflicted. So <laughs> there is that aspect to it. But what I'm trying to highlight, that pain and, and brokenness, it, it, you know, it makes us aware that we need Jesus and salvation. Um, so, yeah, I'm very much a, a traditional, what I call traditional church child. I've brought up in a Christian family. I've been going to church as long as I can remember. Um, I had a loving home. I had great parents. Some of my earliest memories of going to church, going to Sunday school, learning the Bible stories. Um, you know, if I look back, you know, I was extremely blessed with, with, with um, growing up. Um, I couldn't really have wanted for much more. Um, I became a Christian at a very early age. Um, I was baptized when I was 14. Um, yeah, the first 18, 19 years of my life, it was, it was a breeze, really. Um, you know, I never faced any sort of trials. Um, Christianity, from my experience, was great. <laughs> it fitted in with my life, how my life was going. So, it was, yeah. Um, and then I went to university. Um, life, was, life was still easy. Um, uh, started going to a local church there. Um, I think that was probably, looking back, that was more out of um, sort of a habit. This is what I've always done, therefore this is what I'll continue to do than sort of any, any authenticity to my faith. Um, but, you know, I made lots of friends. Um, and obviously with university, I suddenly had all this, what I sort of thought was freedom. And I discovered this world of alcohol, parties, girls, nightlife, which I'd been maybe a little bit naive to before. Um, anyway, I thought life was good. I was having fun. I wasn't hurting anyone. I was having the time of my life. Um, I was sort of the embodiment of work hard, play hard. I'd be, you know, I'd go to bed late, be back up. At, anyone that knows me, I get up ridiculously early. And I, I was doing that then, so, you know, go to bed at two, back up at six, probably 
on a, on a daily basis. Um, I, you know, and at that point, Christianity in my life was mu- pretty much an add-on. It was a nice to have. Um, towards the end of my first year at uni, um, I started to go out with a, a, a non-Christian girl. Um, I think it started from some sort of noble intentions on my part, but uh, quickly descended into a very, very turbulent relationship. Um, uh, yeah, we were constantly pulling in different directions, um, and actually, I was probably seeing for the very first time where you know, sort of where where Christianity stood in my life and my relationship with God. Um, however, despite sort of this tension and this pulling, um, slowly over time. I fell away from further and further away from church, fell further and further away from any sort of relationship with God that I had, and and more into sort of into this world life of what I knew was sin, but I guess I, I didn't really care. Um, I just gave up sort of caring about, about that aspect of my life and just sort of pushed it to one side. Um, after about six to eight months, I can't, can't quite remember the, the, the length of the relationship, but essentially it ended. Um, and it ended really, really badly. Um, I, I was absolutely devastated. Um, I was in a lot of pain. I was really angry. I was lost. I was confused. Um, I blamed everyone else but myself. Um, I'm really angry with God. Like, well, you know, why, why, have you, why, is, why has this happened to me? I was really, really upset. And I really just, I did not know how to deal with it at all. Um, so, sort of in my infinite wisdom, I decided that I would, rather than turn to church at this point, I would party even harder, uh, I'd go out even more, and I'd properly try to like, drink my sorrow. Um, and I continued on doing that for a good few months, um, probably another six months. Um, I've, after, the, after, anyway, sort of fast forward through that period, um, got to a point where I was just like, yeah, I, I'm actually just... I'm still feeling rubbish. Um, and what, I, what was a bit odd, I guess, during that whole time is I continued to go to church. Again, sort of out of habit, this is what I've always done, what I, will con- what I continue to do. Um, and I remember getting ready one morning and I just thought, oh, Josh, why on earth do you keep going to church? You don't have any friends there. You feel incredibly lonely when you go. Um, you feel even worse when you leave because it's, it just makes you feel incredibly guilty and ashamed of everything that you've done in the past week and months. You know, what, what's, what's the point? And I just thought, you know what, this is, this is it. This is going to be the last time I go because I cannot be, I can't be bothered to keep going. And so I, I, I prayed, I prayed for, for the first time in months, probably the first time I'd actually been any sort of authentic with my faith and said, God, if you want me to keep coming, I want you to give me a friend this morning, otherwise I'm never coming back. Um, so, yeah, so I went to church, um, uh, did sort of my normal things. I sat at the back, didn't really engage, just cruised through the service, waiting for it to end. I was pretty much 100% sure this was, this was it, this was, this was the end. Um, got to the end of the service, I'm getting ready to go. I'm trying to make a quick exit because I'm just like, I want to be out of here now. And obviously one of the guys obviously comes up to me from the worship team and says, Josh, join the worship. I really felt like you needed a friend. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and obviously like, I'm trying to hold it together now, <laughs> but inside I'm weeping. Uh, I'm like, oh, and I was like, okay, that would be really nice. <laughs> um, so, we, uh, decide, so we arranged to meet up later that week, and I was dreading, dreading actually dreading that meeting, because I was like, oh no, what am I going to say? I'm going to tell him, and I was trying to work out like strategies 
people which I could, um, you know, sort of rein it in a bit about what, what happened. And um, I sort of got to the meeting. I hadn't worked out any strategy by this point, And I just sort of unloaded everything, just said, this, this is me, warts and all. Um, and I, w was, I was expecting some sort of rebuke back, like, oh, Josh, that's, that's pretty hectic. Um, but he was like, you know, God, God loves you, Josh. And despite your flaws and failings, he still, he still loves you. And it was, and it was that, from that point on that, we, you know, he started to disciple me. He got alongside me. We were praying. Um, it wasn't like a one-off me being vulnerable just at that point. It was a, like a, a life, uh, it was a bit of a lifestyle of vulnerability and being authentic for where I was at after that point. It was, it was, oh, don't get me wrong, it was, it was, it was painful um, to, to go, go through it, but I, it, it wouldn't have worked unless I would have sort of just let him know exactly where I, um, I was at. Um, and, you know, I truly believe sort of from that point onwards, you know, God has been really good to me. As Ruth was mentioning, sort of a double portion, I think he's rewarded me far more than I deserve since then. You know, back then, actually getting married after that seemed like a bit of a long shot. But Ruth will now tell you that she is my double portion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, in other situations where I've been in pain, where I've been broken and where I've been lost and, I, and I've, I've, you know, I've turned to God, and it's sort of been authentic. God's really sort of just broken through. Um, if I think back to sort of my job situation last year when I was out of work for a, quite a period of time, it wasn't until I properly turned to God and said, I can't, I can't do it anymore, um, over, over to you, that it, suddenly I had break, breakthrough, and that, it, was, it was totally all God. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit of a, my, my personal story. Um, just to finish, uh, I want to read a passage from a book which is about... Um, Redemption, and I think it really highlights what, what Jesus did um, when he experienced pain and, and brokenness. Um, it's talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's um, praying before he gets betrayed. Um, and it says, Notice too what Jesus didn't do in the garden. Didn't ignore the pain of his situation. He didn't drown it out with some addiction. He didn't deny it, and he didn't mask it with a platitude about God's so sovereignty. He faced it and ran to the Father in his distress. So, yeah, just... I think, yeah, just in summary, in summary just, just in, in your pain, in your brokenness, bring it to God, and, and he, will, he will, will potentially heal you and mend sure you. Um, Ruth, do you want to come response? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're just going to have uh, one song from the Washi Band, if that's okay, Washi Band, sorry. Didn't quite say. Um, <laughs> come. <laughs> and then if you want to respond, if you know there's things that have touched your heart in that, whether you feel that your heart is in a hardened, hardened place, whether you feel that actually you struggle to care, yeah? You struggle to feel deeply about church. You know, one of the things that um, Phil talked about was like, oh, when you see Jesus in your eyes, I've turned a bit the other way. You struggle to have expectation, yeah, because your heart has been hardened. Um, or maybe you know, you know exactly that, that area of your life that needs to be redeemed, and you've been in that process of bringing it to God, and you just want to do it again, yeah. So, be strong, guys. Be vulnerable. Don't leave me on my own over here. And we're just going to do a song, and then if you feel touched, then come and we'll pray with you, okay? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website 
which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.